welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And Big Daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. It was time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, I am still coming to you from Alexandria, Louisiana for this episode. I'm sure you could tell because of the sound quality, right? My beautiful and amazing bride, Denise, she let me know that she can definitely tell the difference between the episodes recorded in hotel rooms and those that are recorded in the Goat Locker studio. There's not much I can do about the sound quality here in these hotel rooms, but the show must go on, right? I believe it is much more important that I get these episodes produced and shared with the audience than to let the sound quality of these hotel rooms prevent me from recording these episodes. Once again, I would like to ask the audience to share this episode, as well as all previous episodes, with the people in your contacts list, as well as on all your social media pages. You can subscribe to the show on your favorite or preferred podcast platform absolutely free of charge. I don't have any advertisers, and these shows do not provide any income stream. That is how much I believe in this effort to restore our constitutional republic. Subscribing to the show helps to boost the algorithm on those platforms as well as on Spotify. Just click the subscribe or follow buttons on whatever platform you listen to it on. You can do the same thing, meaning subscribe free of charge, to my blog on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You know, I received a lot of positive feedback on last week's interview with Tennessee State Senator Frank Nicely. I found it refreshing that an elected official answered my invitation to come on the show and discuss things that his constituents find important. There was no fear there, if you know what I mean. Senator Nicely even came on the show after our little Twitter feud a couple of months ago about a bill relating to immigration that he had sponsored in the Senate. What isn't astonishing, though, is this. Senator Nicely is not the only individual I sent an invitation to. Nope. I reached out to Representative Dale Carr, Sevier County Vice Mayor Brian McCarter, and newly elected Sevier County Republican Party Chairman Michael Hodges. Give a listen as I play a synopsis of their replies. Yep, no replies as of yet, ladies and gentlemen. That isn't astonishing in the least, right? 
I will be reaching out to the two county commissioners that represent the district of Sevier County that I live in once I return home and see if they would like to come on the show as well. Those individuals are Mr. Todd Humble and Mr. Brian Delius. Their answers will probably be quite similar to Representative Carr's and Chairman Hodges, though. Same as the vice mayor's. I am sure you have heard this on my program and in other walks of life before as well, that no input is an input. Quite often, a refusal to answer a question speaks louder than any actual answer a person may provide. So, just what is the reasoning behind the silent treatment, the refusal to come on? Oh, I'm sure there is some personal animosity towards me that comes into play. In fact, during the meeting I had a couple of weeks ago with a member of the Sevier County Republican Party Executive Committee, I believe I mentioned that on the program, anyway, it was confirmed that leadership members on the County Republican Party are holding my independent candidacy against me. They believe, much like Tennessee Republican Party Chairman Scott Golden does, that it was a quote-unquote mistake for me to run as an independent in 2022. Of course, Scott Golden and the rest of the party elite will never take responsibility for their own bylaws forcing people to run as independents. But hey, when you are in the incumbent protection racket like they are, nothing is more important than maintaining control of the party apparatus. But outside of the personal animosity, why else would they not want to come on a program that caters mostly to their constituency? It's just another one of those pesky why questions, right? Whenever an elected official refuses to answer a question from their constituents, it is because of one main reason. They don't want their position known to the voters and the people they represent. They are scared to take a public stance for fear of losing re-election. Because most politicians, eventually, they lack principles. We've discussed that before. After a period of time in elected office, their once-held principles become as solid and firm as a Twizzler stick or a bowl of jello. Maybe, though, it is because they serve another master. A master that is completely different than those that elected them. That, too, is often the case. That master could be moneyed interests or other people that do not represent the people of their district. Maybe other people like the Speaker of the House Cameron Sexton. Or the rest of the GOP leadership team in the Tennessee House and Tennessee Senate. Geez, what would the possibility of that be? That would explain a lot of votes and actions by elected members of the Tennessee General Assembly. Once again, I will remind the voters here in Sevier County, as well as every voter across the country, just look up the campaign finance filings of the state and federal officials that are elected to represent you. Always follow the money. When you do that, you will know which way these elected officials will vote. Actions always speak louder than words. Elected officials, for the most part, will always do the bidding of those that are donating the most money to them, not the bidding of their constituents, especially if they have been in office for a long time. This leads them to becoming a master in the realm of political speak. 
almost never taking a firm stance on principles, unless those principles involve their re-election chances. Or they will completely take a firm stance on something that will ensure compliance with the government's wishes, not the people's. I recently shared a statement in my blog by Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. You should all give that a read. You should also print that statement off and have it on your person whenever government comes along with another one of their unconstitutional edicts when, not if, but when, the next emergency hits. Speaking of the next emergency, the globalist World Health Organization is already predicting a global pandemic that will make the last one look like a walk in the park. Meaning, the WHO and all the governments that recently abdicated some sovereignty over to it, which includes the United States of America under Joe Biden, they will exercise more tyranny than they did during the COVID scandemic. Mark my words, it is coming, folks, and there is nobody coming to your rescue but yourselves. Sear this phrase into your brain. I will not comply. That is the only proper answer to government trying to remove your self-evident, inalienable, God-given rights that are protected under our Constitution. Before the next scandemic, though, it looks like the next declared government emergency is just around the corner, in mere days. Just how can you tell that is coming? Well, just look at the scare tactics the usurper-in-chief, along with the other usurpers in government, and their useful idiots are using the past few weeks. Just what situation are they all warning us to prepare for? As well as using it to demagogue and paint their adversaries as extremists in order to prevent the next emergency. These scare tactics that they're trying to use to get us to do something against our beliefs. If you cannot figure out what I'm referring to, it is this. The debt ceiling fights. Competent and good leadership, servant leadership, does not engage in scare tactics to accomplish their goals and to get their team on board. Do you think Vince Lombardi ever told his team that if they did not focus on being brilliant on the basics of football, that the players would all lose their lives? Using fear as a motivation to accomplish tasks and goals is a method only used by tyrants. Again, not servant leaders. In the debt ceiling fight, the usurpers and their useful idiots are trying to get every citizen on their team with dire warnings about the consequences of failing to raise the debt ceiling. Millions of jobs will be lost, there will be out of control inflation, they don't share actual facts or engage in sound reasoning and logical arguments. Nope, selfish leadership, which is just about everybody in elected office these days, selfish leadership and tyrants rely on these scare tactics to accomplish their goals, to coerce their quote-unquote team, which is us, to follow their plans. Everybody must toe the line with the sky is falling message to get the Congress to authorize more reckless borrowing and spending. Just look at the recent pandemic, how they used fear and scare tactics to lock us in our homes, shut down our businesses, cripple the economy, missed loved ones' funerals, all to get compliance. 
Or look at how they tried to make the public scared that Russia had cheated and helped to elect Donald Trump as president in 2016. Never mind the fact that the commies in our governments, and those on the left all over the country, are neck deep in collusion with just about every adversary of the United States of America that are on this planet to obtain and maintain power. And they use our tax dollars under the guise of foreign aid to obtain and maintain that power and influence overseas. That's our sweat equity. In other words, as we've said many times on the show before, they use our own money against us. Isn't that just peachy? And it's all smoke and mirrors, ladies and gentlemen. All of it is designed to usurp the people's liberty. The gnashing of teeth and rending of garments by the communists in their arguments surrounding the so-called debt ceiling crisis, they're no different. Nearly every single one of these evil people, including the installed usurper-in-chief, have taken to legacy media and social media with dire predictions about what will happen if the debt ceiling is not increased. What will happen if the government is restricted in borrowing and spending money? Dementia Joe, well, he even shared a graphic on one of his social media accounts that showed his plan to, quote, reduce the deficit by $3 trillion, unquote. Well, let's break down his plan, shall we? It's a scare tactic. And the graphic he shared, more like some underling shared it that is trying to maintain the facade that Dementia Joe could even put something together like that plan. But anyway, on the graphic under the heading of cut spending, he lists four main points. Number one, cut handouts to Big Pharma, which will result in a $200 billion saving. Number two, eliminate tax subsidies for oil and gas, resulting in a $31 billion saving. Number three, eliminate real estate loopholes, saving $19 billion. And number four, Eliminate cryptocurrency trading tax loopholes that would save $24 billion. Altogether, according to the usurper's math, this part of the quote-unquote cut spending plan would result in a savings of $274 billion. Keep this fact in mind though, folks. The federal government spends roughly $10.5 billion a day, meaning this part of the dementia-riddled child sniffers plan would 100% fund the government for just a bit over 26 days. Not even one full month. Nifty, huh? Before I move on, I want you to notice a common theme or common characteristic of those top four items. Think about them for a second now. Big Pharma, oil and gas, real estate, cryptocurrency. What do they all have in common? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. First, we are going to discuss the Ice Cream Connoisseur's five, yes, five, not four, five points on how to raise revenue in order to reduce the deficit by $3 trillion. Here they are, point by point. Number one, impose a billionaire minimum tax. The stated savings from doing that would be $400 billion. Notice how they always say savings by taxes. Number two, raise the top income tax rate with the stated savings listed as $200 billion. Number three, 
tax stock buybacks. That is listed as a savings of $200 billion. Number four, raise taxes on large corporations. This is the largest bit of savings listed in the Biden's plan. It comes in at a whopping $1.3 trillion. Yes, trillion with a T. That's a huge number, folks. In fact, it is the largest number in this commies plan. And it is often an argument by those on the left that is only meant to generate class or wealth envy. It plays well in the socialist minds. More on that in a bit. The final point is very interesting, though. Number five is listed as imposing a global minimum tax, generating $500 billion in savings. What exactly is a global minimum tax, you may ask? Well, I'll explain that in a bit as well, as well as how it will backfire on the plan to raise revenue. But the five things I just listed, the last five that are part of the Biden's plan to reduce the deficit, they all have a common theme as well. Do you know what the common theme is with those five items? Did you figure out what the common theme was among the first four as well? Well, the common thing among the first four is this. They are all part of the private sector of the U.S. economy. Sure, there is some government regulation involved with each of them, but they are all part of private sector wealth generation, which is always part of the commies plans. Destroy private sector wealth generation, then swoop in to take over that little part of the economy, all for the public good. But I'm not sure what Biden means in point one of the spending cuts as it relates to handouts to Big Pharma, though. After all, it was government working with Big Pharma for the past three years in their attempts to subject everybody to their experimental vaccines, vaccines purchased by the government with the taxpayers' money. Also, notice how he wants to cut subsidies for the oil and gas industry and only the oil and gas industry. The Green New Deal this president passed and lied to the citizens by calling it an infrastructure bill, it is overflowing with subsidies for green energy projects as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion projects. These pet projects that only cost Americans more money in the long term. Then, he is also going after what he calls real estate loopholes and cryptocurrency trading. These are just attempts to squeeze every dime out of the taxpayers that they possibly can. So to be clear, the usurper's first four points are all about punishing private sector wealth generating parts of the economy. It has nothing to do with actual government spending cuts. None whatsoever. And now that we talked about what the first four things had in common, that should give you all a clue as to what the common theme is about the last five points that are part of the commies' revenue-raising plan. Yep, it is more government-taking and not touching government spending, using the taxing power of the government to punish the people themselves. No matter how they label it, it is the people that end up paying the taxes. Let's circle back to number four on the raise revenue side of the graphic we're talking about. 
raise taxes on large corporations. I sincerely hope most people by now are no longer fooled by that statement. At least people that are capable of critical thinking are no longer fooled by the concept that you can raise taxes on corporations and it is not a tax increase on the people. Ladies and gentlemen, corporations do not pay taxes. Sure, taxes may be collected from them, but the companies only increase the price of the product or service they provide to cover the government-imposed increase in the cost of doing business. Let's bring it down into simple math for all the mindless lemmings out there that believe that government lie. For example, we'll use something called Acme Widget Company, something I just made up. As the name suggests, Acme produces widgets. It's a very popular tool for Americans, and just about everybody has one or will purchase one. In order to pay the workers' salaries, meet government safety regulations, keep the company operating in the black for future expansions, as well as setting a little bit aside for potential disturbances in the market like supply chain issues, Acme charges $10 for each widget sold. Of course, that price increases for the consumer for every step in the process of production to store shelf. But let's stick with Acme's bottom line price to keep producing the product as well as turn a bit of profit. Along comes Joe Biden and his cabal of commies with the wealth envy argument that gets everybody up in arms over the fact that big companies like Acme are not paying their quote-unquote fair share of taxes. All of which enables and prods the Congress to pass a tax increase in the corporate tax rate. Let's just for arguments and simplicity's sake say the increase is 10% in the corporate tax rate. Easy enough number. So, what is 10% of $10? Well, that would be an even dollar. Well, if Acme pays the tax solely on its own, it cuts into the company's bottom line. If the trend continues, where the company is paying the increased tax rate on its own, without raising prices, pretty soon Acme starts to shed some production capacity, both in tangible assets such as assembly line equipment, along with the employees needed to run the equipment. It also cuts into Acme's ability to expand its market share, as well as other assets. Well, companies that do that are doomed to failure, because it is a never-ending spiral where they go from operating in the black to operating in the red, the spiral ends up bankrupting the company and they close permanently. What person or persons go into business knowing they will purposely fail? Not too many, I would guess. So what is the solution to keep Acme of being a viable company? Well, that tax rate increase is added to the cost of the product. Acme then starts to sell their widgets for $11 to cover the cost of the tax increase. It keeps them on the path of profitability and possible expansion with a net zero effect on their bottom line. That $1 cost increase makes it through all layers of production to store shelf, leaving the consumer to pay for the tax increase. Acme isn't paying it. We are, if we want to pay the new price. Companies, they're not paying that tax increase. 
Now, there is another way this could play out that will have a negative effect on the government's plan to increase revenue as well. If we don't pay for the new price for Acme's widgets, I mean, absolutely nobody wants to pay the new price. What happens then? Again, it is a negative effect on Acme and the consumer. Because of a loss of demand for Acme's widgets, the company goes out of business. The owner shutters it permanently, and they'll do something else that leads to the discussion on number five here in a bit. But what happens when Acme shutters its businesses here in the U.S.? Well, a bunch of people are now unemployed, and the business goes elsewhere. These people that are now unemployed, guess what? They don't pay any income tax. And the company, well, they move elsewhere to a country that does not participate in the global minimum tax agreement that is a globalist scheme to squeeze every penny they can from any business that wants to set up shop in those countries. The global minimum tax, it's an agreement between 130 plus countries to charge a minimum tax on any company that does business there. A completely communist way of thinking, right? But the global minimum tax is not happening in every country. And those countries that do not participate in this global agreement, well, they are setting themselves up to have businesses relocate there. That's a win for those countries. But a loss of jobs and the resulting revenue for those countries that have agreed to participate in that tax and spend scheme. All in all... Biden's plan is meant to usher in socialism and punish capitalism in our nation, making us poorer and more in debt than ever before. Because, even with the loss of revenue, our government is too addicted to its spending habits, and it won't change. Unless there is a quote-unquote intervention, and they are forced into withdrawal for their addiction. A way to do that is to not raise the debt ceiling, forcing the federal government to live within its means and shed unnecessary and unconstitutional spending. Don't believe the lies that we won't pay our bills because the debt ceiling isn't raised. The government generates enough tax revenue to pay the interest payments on its debts. Government revenue doesn't fund interest payments and funding for all of its liberty-eroding pet projects, though. And the usurpers, they would rather default on interest payments than implement any cuts to their vote-buying and influence-peddling schemes that only put the taxpayers under more and more of a debt burden. That is why they are screaming the loudest about raising the debt ceiling and using scare tactics to get the people to push their elected officials into some sort of compromise. The House of Representatives already passed some sort of compromise bill, so it's just up to the Senate and the President to deal with it. But they won't. Realize this, ladies and gentlemen. Any compromise, though, puts more generations of the citizens into debt bondage. It is time for the spending-addicted government to quit cold turkey go through the withdrawals, and come out stronger on the other side. It won't happen, but it is necessary. Both parties, Republican and Democrat or Communist, they will hammer out a compromise, and only the politicians will be the beneficiaries. 
Once again, the citizens will suffer, though. Do not let the scare tactics work. They are a tool of tyrants. Communicate often and strongly with all of your federal elected officials. Tell them no increase to the debt ceiling. Congress needs to get its spending under control. That's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen, and I truly hope you enjoy the show. Once again, if you did enjoy the show, please share it with everybody in your contacts list, as well as on all of your social media pages. Also, you can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, Rumble, YouTube, and many other platforms as well. It's totally free, and it helps to boost the message. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Psalms 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all of my fears. Fear and scare tactics are things or are tools that the enemy uses. Search your hearts and know that when dealing with elected officials that are using fear to get compliance, they are not being servant leaders. They are being tyrants. Thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of this weekend, this Memorial Day weekend, where we should take time and honor the memory of those who gave their last full measure in defense of our constitutional republic. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.